Anyway, so why don't you rise for the reading of God's word? We are in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 17. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Luke chapter 17. Verse 11, Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Lord, we read in your word that faith in you, faith in your word, faith in who you are, faith in who you have revealed yourself to be makes us well. And Lord, I just... Think about the men, women, and children here, Lord. We, we come in here. There's parts of us that are not well this morning. We've come here, Lord, to be made well just as you promise would happen when we come to you by faith. Do that work in us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So we're going through Luke chapter by chapter. You know, in verse 11 there where we, where we started out this morning, it says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, says in verse 11. For the last few chapters in Luke, we've been so deep in Jesus' teaching, we've been so deep in the content of what he's been telling us that it's easy to forget just exactly what is happening in his life at this time. Don't forget, he's on his final journey to Jerusalem. His final journey. 
So he's given the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the prodigal son, the story about the rich man and Lazarus, knowing he's going to Jerusalem. And this, this journey, we saw it, it began in chapter 9. In chapter 9 of Luke, it says this, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, meaning crucified and go to heaven, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. In other words, nothing was going to stop him. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he knew exactly what was going to happen to him there. In fact, right before his journey, uh, in same chapter, Luke chapter 9, it says this. It says, Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So no sooner after he had uttered those words. He takes off on his journey, his journey to Jerusalem. So all the incredible things which we've read about in the last few chapters of Luke, they're all given while he's in the middle of a journey to Jerusalem, knowing that an indescribably painful and gruesome crucifixion awaited him. Parable of the prodigal son in chapter 15. Jesus speaks about a father with two sons. The younger son, tired of home, fascinated with the world, uh, comes to him and he asks his father uh, for his inheritance. Father hasn't even died. He asks him for the money anyway. His father, what does he do? He gives him the money. Son goes out and blows it all on the best food, alcohol, entertainment that money can buy, on, on prostitutes as well. Wastes it all. And then he's left alone He gets a job on a pig farm. He's so hungry, he just sits there staring at the pig food, wishing he had the food that the pigs were eating. He then comes to his senses and says, what am I doing here? I'll go back home. I'll ask the worst that could happen. uh, My father, maybe he'll, he'll, he'll hire me as a servant. So he goes home. His father sees him running. Rather, his father sees him coming in the way. His father runs to him, falls on him, smothers him with kisses, removes his rags, replaces them with the best robe in the house, puts a ring on his, fa- uh, on, on his finger, and um, sandals on his feet, and has a feast, a gigantic feast. It's all a picture of eternity. That's what it is. It's all a picture of heaven. Jesus is in his final journey to Jerusalem. He knows that very soon he'll be dying and going to heaven, and he wants to take as many people possible with him. He wants to take people with him. The following chapter after that, Luke 16, he tells the story of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man dies and is in judgment and torment in, in Hades because of his life. He had rejected God and his word, and he cries out to Abraham, would you please send Lazarus just to give me a single drop of water? I'm in torment here. And Abraham says, no, there's a gulf, there's a wall between us. 
And no one can come from there to here or the other way around. You've made a decision. And so Jesus, telling these stories of, of, of judgment and heaven, he wants to rescue as many people he can from hell and bring them to heaven with him. And so the verse, verse 11 here in Luke 17 reminds us of that. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And now it happened, verse 11, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So he's coming from northern Israel, where he was born, Nazareth, He's uh, around that area, and then he's coming south. He had to go through this area called Samaria. In verse 12, it says, Then he entered a, a certain village, and there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood far off, lepers. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They're crying out here because they're standing a long way away. They were not allowed by Jewish law to be near anyone. So they're crying out from afar off. Verse 14 says, When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Okay, there's a lot here for us, but I first want you to consider this. Notice, notice, regardless of, in spite of everything that is going on in Jesus' life, he never stops ministering to people who God has put in front of him. Neither should you. Neither should you. Jesus is on the single most important business trip in human history here. Man is this important business. All of human history in the past up to this point, in a very real sense, he's looking forward to this time. All of human history looking forward to this time. Um, man has so, but then all, all of human history in the future, looking back, man has so royally messed everything up by his life of rebellion against God. Jesus' death on the cross was the only way the mess could be cleaned up. The Bible describes Jesus' death as a ransom, which is the word we use when you pay kidnappers who have kidnapped someone. It describes in, in the book of Mark, Jesus' uh, death as a ransom. Mankind had in a way been kidnapped from its original purpose of bringing glory to God. The cross is described in the Bible as a ransom, God's purchase price to redeem them, to save them, to restore them to their original purpose of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. 
So the Bible here uh, describes the scene of Jesus is on this journey to Jerusalem, all of eternities watching the scene with earnest expectation, which is what we say is their eyes, the, even the angels of heaven, their eyes are glued on the screen of what is happening. Jesus is on his journey to, to, to the cross where all of the world, there's going to be redemption that's going to happen there. And, and God's judgment is going to be poured out. And all of human history is, is really focused on this, this event. And Jesus, he knows all that. He knows what is at stake. I mean, you think you've had business trips where you had a lot on your mind. Can you imagine him at this point? And think about the demonic warfare, every demon in hell just coming against him. Ever felt just spiritual warfare that's just, you practically can't move forward? You, you want to pray and there's just great resist, resistance? Can you imagine Jesus, who the Bible says was subject to every temptation, every, every battle that we've been in? Can you imagine what is going on here uh, the crowd surrounding him, and then right in the middle of all of it, 10 lepers standing far off, crying out to him. Now keep in mind there are crowds around him. Easiest thing in the world would be to have kept on going his way. You know, a few months ago when I had my healing ministry up there in, in, in Capernaum, I would have helped you guys out but uh, I have more urgent business right now. And it says he stops, though, and he heals them. And when he's even closer to Jerusalem, even closer to the cross, even closer to the pain, and closer to the suffering and agony, a similar thing happens in Jericho, right? Uh, you, you know, on his way to Jerusalem, a blind man named Bartimaeus who knew Jesus was passing by began crying out to him, son of David, have mercy on me. And people were telling him, shut up, dude. Can't you see who this is? Don't you know what's going on here? Be quiet, he yelled out even louder. Thank God. And he kept on going. Jesus heard him. And I love this. In Mark chapter 10, it says, He stood still because of one blind man's cry. With everything on his mind, he could practically feel the nails of the cross in his wrists. But he, he stands still for one man. He heals him. Listen carefully. Get the idea out of your head that there's something more important than the people who God has placed in your life. Whether you know them, or not, whether family or a complete stranger. Never let this idea get into your head that what you are doing in your life is so important that people don't matter. 
people do matter. In God's economy, there is nothing so important as the person right next to you. Jesus on the most important business trip in the history of the world and he puts the whole business trip on hold for people. I can't tell you how many times that the Lord has smacked me upside the head for brushing people off. Sorry, man. Sorry, woman. I, I can't deal with you now. I, I, I got important things. I got an important sermon, an important message that I got to give today. I don't have, I, I, I need to move on. I got to move on from here. How often he has smacked me, just nailed me. Because I can have such an inflated view of me and what I am doing and the business that I am on. Inflated, puffed up, all twisted, and I lose sight of people. Jesus, with all the burden of the whole world on his shoulder, every demon in hell coming against him, he stood still for the least of the least of the least. Ten lepers. If you want to walk with Jesus, and I assume that's why all of you are here this morning, because you do. Praise God, you do. If you want to walk with Jesus, this is what it looks like. Let's continue reading on. It, it says at the end of verse 14, it says, and so it was that as they went, the lepers, they were cleansed. Verse 15 says, and one of them when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now there's an invaluable lesson about the heart of God here. I want to talk a little bit about these lepers. Sometimes we forget that, or we don't catch here, that they got so much right they got so many things right, these lepers. Number one, their faith. Think about it. Their faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I mean, this is a beautiful picture. Can you imagine 10 drunks or 10 drug addicts or 10 workaholics sitting around their misery, all of a sudden waking up and saying, what are we doing here? There's a church that teaches people about Jesus and that, that actually Jesus saves from this kind of stuff we're in. Let's all go there. And they all just get up and go. 
they walk into church. Is that a glorious scene or what? Is that a glorious picture of faith? Ten at once. An awesome picture. These ten lepers sit around. They heard Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah. They say people like them. You know, a few of them could have said, well, what's the point? We're not even allowed to go near him. A few others could have said, you guys go. If it works, come, come back and get us. No, they all went and they, they got up and they went. Faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God too. They prayed. Prayer, it pleases God. Proverbs 15, 8. The prayer of the upright is his delight. Think about it. God created us for prayer. Do you understand that? Does everyone here get that? God created you for prayer. Prayer is nothing more than talking with God. Prayer is nothing more than a relationship, a communication with God. That's why God created you. They prayed. Number three, they obeyed. Think about it. Jesus told them to do something which in the natural was ridiculous. There is not one recorded example in the whole Bible of someone being healed from leprosy and going to the priest. In the Old Testament, Miriam was... Uh, had leprosy and was healed before the law was given. And then Naaman was a guy with leprosy, but he wasn't Jewish, so he didn't go to the temple. Not one person ever in recorded, at least in the Bible, of ever doing this before. Leprosy was an incurable disease. It is to this day. You can arrest it. You can stop it from increasing, but you can't cure it. You can't be healed from it. That's why when you see leprosy, it, it always says it's cleansed, not healed. And so uh, they, but they, they, they obey this crazy request. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. And, and, and so because it, actually, in, why did he do that? Just a brief explanation. In the Old Testament, if you were cleansed from your leprosy, you were required to go to the priest to be examined before you went back into the general population. And and so Jesus tells these guys to go show themselves to the priest. And at the end of verse 14, it says, so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, they turned around and started walking away to the priest before they were even healed. That is obedience. That's what obedience looks like. No second guessing. By the way, that's just where God wants you to get all of us. No second guessing his word. Just obey. That's what they did. Number three, again, obedience. So much to learn here from these lepers. Look at verse 13. It says they called Jesus master. Do you realize that word master in the Greek? It's the word epistatus, which means sort of to stand before, ready to act. The only other people in the New Testament that called Jesus by this word master are his own apostles. So it's the 12 apostles and these lepers who ever address him by this name. Obedience. There's a lot to that we need to learn from these lepers. But then we come to the end of verse 14. Where, where it says, and soon it was, they, they went and were cleansed, and one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. 
And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? This is amazing. They had demonstrated remarkable faith, and without faith, we're told, it's impossible to please God. They had prayed. They had obeyed without hesitation, but it was their lack of thankfulness that spoiled the party for the Lord. It spoiled the party. Their lack of thankfulness. Verse 19, Jesus says to the one leper who returned, he said, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Kind of a strange picture here. You, you know, normally, typically, you imagine Jesus miraculously healing people. Most of the time, there's this spontaneous outburst of joy from the crowd in Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus healed the paralytic, the man who was paralyzed, brought to him on the bed. It says the multitude of people marveled and glorified God. But here, it really does seem to be a very different picture. Only one of the of the nine lepers returned to give thanks and give glory to God. And Jesus says, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? And then he says in verse 19, go your way. And there's this, this, this sense that there's just silence there. You can hear the wind rustling the leaves. Really, really threw a wet blanket on something an event that was an incident that was supposed to bring glory and praise to God. Some of you here this morning, you're spoiling the Lord's party. God wants to have a party with you. And you're spoiling it. There's faith in your life, there's prayer, there's, a, there's an obedience in your life, but you lack thanksgiving. Your ungrateful heart is spoiling the Lord's party. You know, my advice for you this morning is this, and I have the benefit, by the way, of spending a lot of time just chewing on this and recognizing this wow this is speaking to my own heart and I spoil the party as well I just want to share with you my, my advice is put yourself in the shoes of the one leper who returned let me explain the Bible says that because of our sin all of us are spiritual lepers. Leprosy throughout the Bible is given an oddly prominent place. There's a whole section in Leviticus about what to do when you cleanse, when a leper is cleansed. A very odd thing for considering the fact that it's impossible to be healed. 
that they would have a section in Leviticus about it. It says leprosy represents where we are spiritually before God. Let me describe leprosy for you. It says when, when, when leprosy, when there's the first manifestation of its onset, it says, which may take actually years to, for it to actually manifest itself with symptoms, a patch of skin becomes discolored. It might occur on the face, the ear, the cheek, or the chin. It turns white or pink. It begins to spread rapidly in all directions. It then goes to various internal organs. The eyebrows may disappear. Spongy tumors begin to appear on the body. Tissue begins to disintegrate, causing the hands and feet to become deformed significantly, perhaps most significantly. It kills the nerve, the nerve endings of the body, and that's this is the most dangerous stage of leprosy. It, it causes people to lose the ability to feel pain. So if you get a scratch or a wound on your feet or your toes or your fingers, you don't even realize something's wrong until gangrene has set in and, and a toe or even a whole foot falls off. You know, if I was to bring up someone up here in the advanced stages of leprosy, there would be people in this room weeping. It would, many of you would be incapable of looking at the person. I mean, just horrifying pictures, you know. I, I, the, 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 eventually sores break out over their whole body. There's a you know, fluid sort of easing from them, incredibly foul odor. The Bible teaches that spiritually, as we choose sin over and over and over again, same thing. We're like walking around with sores all over our body, (laughs) spiritual sores, leprosy. And not only that, just as a leper doesn't know, doesn't realize what's going on with them, that, that it may be destroying parts of their body, their limbs, because the nerves are gone. So same thing with sin. So, so oftentimes we don't realize the impact that it's having on our lives before things start falling off. Relationships, finances, um, Uh, just our emotional well-being, our health. So one of the most remarkable pictures in the Bible is this picture in Leviticus chapter 14, in Leviticus chapter 14, where there is a ceremony done by the priests. If someone has... If someone were to be cleansed from leprosy, they're supposed to go be examined by the priest and to make sure they can go back into the community. But there's also an offering. And here's what's so significant. Try to stay with me here. Hope I haven't lost you. There's a ceremony after when a leper has been cleansed. And it's all a picture of Jesus Christ, you and me with all our sin, Jesus Christ being uh, crucified for our sin and 
the resurrection and a life free from the power of sin over us and the penalty of sin. Leviticus chapter 14. You can do homework this week and read it. It's the first 14 verses. The priest takes two birds. It was believed to be a dove. One of the doves is sacrificed. All those sacrifices in the Old Testament are a picture of Jesus to come. It's sacrifice. The blood from the first dove is poured into like a water basin. The second dove, which is, which is living, is dipped into the blood and then he's let go and he goes off. Now why on earth would God choose to put in his word a ceremony for the cleansing of leprosy when that's impossible? Why on earth would you can just imagine a priest for hundreds of years learning, memorizing this and, and thinking to themselves, hmm, a lot of good this is. You ever had a course like this? All this stuff you're listening to for 20 minutes? Will I ever even remotely have any application for this in my life? Ever been in a class like that? Am I the only one? I mean, come on. And, and, and so uh, this happens all the time. Just go into one of those advanced math classes. And I'm insulting some people here. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the same thing with this leprosy thing. But, but, hey, there was a purpose. God knew that Messiah, his son, who's going to be sent into the world, to save the world, to seek and save what was lost was going to come. He was going to heal lepers. And he, before all the priests, lepers were going to be presented to the priests that everyone knew had leprosy. And this, this ceremony where everyone knew what it was about, it was a picture of man's sin and God's salvation. That's powerful. Man, the word of God is powerful. Before the Lord, you are a spiritual leper. Your sin has caused all the manifestations of that disease, open sores and falling off limbs and and blindness, which is another symptom, a manifestation of leprosy, and everything else. And oh, when we understand, you know, why is it that we do when we pray, sometimes they're so dry? It's because in our heart, we don't understand our need like these spiritual lepers. When they came to Jesus, man, they were crying out from a far off place, God, help us, have mercy on us. Let me tell you, God will do that in your life. The Holy Spirit will do this work in your life where you understand you're nothing but a leper. And you need him so badly. (laughs) first for salvation, then every day after that until you die. Yes, the, that second dove went away and it, was, it, it went to heaven and that ju- does represent we've been, comp- we've been cleansed from the Lord. But the Bible says until we are cloaked with our heavenly bodies and more that, on that next week because that that's where Jesus talks about the rest of the chapter. Until that time, we're in these Vessels of clay, these bodies of clay, which we're like lepers. We need the Lord. We've been cleansed. We need his power. Oh, man, will that change your prayer 
life. There's also the sense here, by the way, that there was only a Samaritan who was not Jewish who came back. And, you know, the Jews had been just taking God for granted. And I just warn you today, if you have been a Christian for many years, this is the same thing that can happen to you. You can just become real ungrateful. The Samaritan was new to all this. He didn't know about these scriptures. They had discarded, they had discarded most of the Bible and twisted it up and made their own religion. This Samaritan was brought into the light, brought into the power of, Je- of salvation, Messiah. They didn't believe, most Samaritans didn't believe in, in Messiah Jesus, right? Of course, in John chapter 4, we see many Samaritans coming to Jesus. Here's another one right here. He knows all about it, and he's the one to come back. It's where God wants you every day until you die. Let me put up just a few verses on the board that I uh, love to uh, remember myself on the projection screen. Do we have these? First one, I will bless the Lord at all times. It does say at all times. There's always a reason to praise the Lord no matter what is happening in your life. Psalm 34.1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Am I there yet? Of course not. But I'm encouraged when I read that because that's who God wants me to be. That's what he is making me into. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. Next verse. In everything... Give thanks. So if you didn't believe the Old Testament, here's, and you should, here's the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Most common prayer request, Pastor Steve, I don't know what, know what the will of God is for my life. Well, we can begin with this. This is the will of God. In everything give thanks. And then just... To bring, get this a little bit more practical, let's get this last verse. Many, many verses in the Bible about giving thanks, but this is a good one. We do not cease to give thanks for you. This is Paul at the beginning of his letter to the Ephesians. And this is a good one. I like this one because it's practical. You know, there are things in your life. I know it. I know that there is, are things in your life that every time you think of them, it's like... <clears throat> Wow, you're right, Lord. Thank you. (laughs) So Paul had the Ephesian church. Just every time he thought of them, it was just a blessing. There are things like that in your life. And Paul had the discipline, and so should you and me, of bringing to remembrance. I think about, I was speaking last night to our ministry team. Every time I think about our ministry team, I just automatically give praise to the Lord. But there are other things too about the character of God. Every time I remember what God has saved me from, if I can just get all the nonsense out of my head, which by God's grace, he allows us to do and think about the life that God saved me from. I never cease, I do not cease to give thanks to you, God. I want to call the worship team up. We're going to have communion now. The Bible says that 
before communion, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, let a man or woman examine themselves. Let a man or woman examine themselves. I will say this, that apart from Christ, we are lost. We're like a, a, an uncleansed leper. And we need to go to Jesus to be cleansed. If you've never gone to Jesus to be cleansed, the Bible says you need it. You're like a leper before an absolute perf- perfect holy God. If you've never done that in your life, we're going to have prayer people come up. Actually, if you've been asked to pray, if you could come up right now, if you've been asked to pray, prayer couples can come up right now and and pray. If you've never done that, if you've never uh, come to the Lord. But also, but I I just want to do something a little differently this morning. As the, before, before you come up for prayer, As the worship team begins, if there's something in your life you just want to praise the Lord for, just stand up in your seat right where you are and just stay right there and thank him and praise him. And as as you hear the worship song, that they're about to begin, just sing right along with them. Worshiping God, praising God, thanking God. It's a discipline that we develop in our life. So let's begin with that. Let's begin with that. So worship team begins. <laughs> 